Welcome to Worship in the Heartland. This is the podcast of the worship service of First United Methodist Church. Our Sunday worship service takes place at 10.30 each and every Sunday at 408 11th Street in downtown Worthington. We invite you to join with us. And now here's today's message from Reverend Dr. Darren Flink. This morning, the uh, lesson that we're looking at comes from the book of Micah. And I would invite you today to pay particular attention to the words that are being shared here, because they are really the key of the, of the message coming up here in just a few moments. From chapter 6, hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains. And let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised, what Balaam, son of Boer, answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we got this new sound system in place, and uh, I know that guy up there is working it, and he's trying to make sure that he gets the right sound, and uh, it, it does sound a little bit different than it did yesterday. Uh, when we were working on it and getting everything finalized. And he's got his, his team of capable assistants up there. Those guys are learning. Yes, thank you, Mike and Ron and, and Gene's up there. And Larry was up there earlier. And who else? I must have missed somebody. I think uh, Carrie was looking at too. Ron was, Ron was up Yeah. Paul. Thank you. But um, this last week, uh, as they were putting in the sound system, I was really trying not to get in the way. I mean, I was excited. I was looking forward to it. Uh, but, you know, I had to, I had to uh, stay out of um, Guy's way. Um, but I did take a few chances to speak to him along the way, and I did learn a couple things about sound. One of the first things I learned about sound from Guy is that uh, I need... <laughs> there's so much about sound and making sound that I don't have any idea about. There really is. Um, but there was one moment when I understood perfectly what was required. 
And guy came into my office, I think this was Tuesday or Wednesday, and he asked if I knew an electrician who could um, replace the two plug-in sockets with ones that would handle the power more, more effectively, more efficiently. Evidently up there, there's, there's some circuit breakers, and they are, what were they, were they 25 or 20 amp? They were 20s, but, but, the, but the plug-ins down there were, were geared for 15. Now, is that a recipe for disaster guy or what? Or just the other way around would have been, okay. But it wasn't that way. So he wanted to make sure that, that we have every opportunity to have the system, the minimum requirements all set up. So, I, yeah, I knew an electrician. I called Ron. Ron's a, a, a good guy. And, and not only that, he's an electrician. So he came in, and um, boy, within a couple of minutes, he had those things. Uh, did you even turn the power off when you changed them? Did you? I was just wondering. I was wondering about electricians, whether or not you do that, and, you know, the first time. The first time. It only has, only has to happen once. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it was kind of nice because um, once, once we got the system requirements into place, it allowed the, the power to flow the way it was designed to flow, the proper flow of power. If you hear nothing else about the message today... This is the key part of it. The basic minimum requirements of faith, when they are in place, they allow for the proper flow of power from on high. You want to write that down? If you want to leave early and go get to your Super Bowl preparations, go ahead. It's all good. Good. Thank you for staying. <laughs> but let's talk a minute about system requirements. System requirements. If you have ever done anything about purchasing a new computer in this day and age, you know that, uh, that you're, you're somehow you're going to have to deal with that issue of system requirements. Do you have enough power? Do you have enough uh, uh, memory? Do you have enough internal memory? Do you, those kinds of things. When you purchase software, it's even worse. For example, I've been thinking about this. Uh, I use uh, currently Microsoft Office 2010. Well, now they have Microsoft Office 2013, and of course, you always want the latest and greatest best thing. So I've been thinking about maybe upgrading to Excel and, and, and all of that, uh, 2013. But in order to do that, I need to make sure that my computer can handle it, because now they're building software programs much differently than they did before. So in order to do that, I have to make sure that, that I have a computer processor that is one gigahertz. And i got to be honest with you, I do not even know what a gigahertz is. Don't know. But I know that the operating system that I need, is, it's either got to be Windows 8 or Windows 7, or i got to use Windows something called Windows Server 2008 R2, or maybe even Windows Server 2012. If I have Windows XP or if I have Vista, I'm going to need to upgrade. There's also a certain amount of computer memory that I'm going to need, hard disk space that I'll require, and... Uh, these are just minimum system requirements. And, and whenever you purchase uh, software, you need to consult these every time you do that. So I know that these terms, gigahertz and computer memory and other kinds of technical jargon, they can sometimes make my own head start to spin. In. Controversy of the Lord, you endearing foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. So what's going on here is that God has, he has a problem. He has a controversy with the people of Israel. 
one that will be settled in an unusual kind of courtroom. God will make his charges and the people and the people will answer, but serving as the judge, serving as the jury is going to be not a group of people, but the mountains, the hills that are out there. And God asked that question. Did you hear how he went through that? He said, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? For I brought you up from the land of Egypt, redeemed you from the house of slavery, sent before you Moses and Aram and Miriam. O my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised and what Balaam, son of Boer, answered him and what happened at Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. And what God is doing here through the prophet He's reminding the people of all the great things that have been done for them. Liberation from Egypt, rescue from slavery, the gift of leadership by Moses and Aaron and Miriam. And if those mighty acts were not enough, he also asked them to remember the time that that King Balak hired Balaam to to speak a curse against Israel, and it was a curse that actually backfired, turned into a, a blessing. You can find that in Numbers 22. Through 24. God concludes then by reminding them what happened along the journey from Shittim to Gilgal as the people crossed the Jordan into the promised land. And, and you can almost hear the Lord saying, Isn't that enough? Aren't these enough mighty and amazing acts of salvation? Aren't they enough for you? And in the text, no one answers, not a sound is heard. Not a creature stirs at all. What do you think? And, and you, can almost, you can almost see people kind of shuffling their feet uneasily. And he says, answer me. And the mountains and the hills, they, they just sit there listening like a judge and a jury. And then finally you hear the people respond. And you can sense that they're convicted of their faithlessness. Did you hear in their response what he said? With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with 10,000 rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? You see, the people are willing to give anything right now. Anything. Absolutely anything to be restored into right relationship with God. Hear hear what they're saying. Thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil, my firstborn. No price is too high. But those are not God's requirements at all. Instead, through the prophet Micah, the Lord requires something else. He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? That recommended system of requirements are those. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. And what was true for the Israelites is true for us yet today. Yes, the the minimum requirement is faith, but the And requirements, they go a little bit further. Justice, kindness, a humble walk with God, and only then will we excel at being followers of Christ. I want you to notice one thing about Micah's answer. That God is much more interested in our daily activities 
than he is in our religious observances because burnt offerings and gifts of oil, those kinds of things, those were actions that were tied to spiritual ceremonies. Those were tied to worship. What God requires is a life that's filled with acts of justice and and kindness and humility. So I want to take a quick look at these three areas and determine what we might consider to do in order to fulfill the recommended requirements of God. And let me just give, give you a heads up here. This is the time of the service when I'm actually asking for congregational participation. You are able to, and you'll be welcome to, raise your hand and answer a question that I'm going to ask you in a a few minutes. I'm only going to ask you three of them. You don't have to answer all three of them uh, uh, by yourself. You've got a whole congregation out there to help you. So just, I want you to be prepared for that, okay? And it's going to be around this whole area of justice, kindness, and humility. So let's take a look at the first one. Do justice. Although the passage from Micah, it asks us to imagine a, a courtroom this particular legal requirement doesn't re- require attorneys or judges or, or juries. Sorry, Gordon. Instead, the, the command to do justice applies to every single aspect of life. It means treating others with fairness, with equality, with showing concern for people who are weak, who are powerless, who are exploited. In the, in the covenant, uh, the, the evangelical covenant church, doing justice means not just helping people who are hurting, but also addressing the causes of suffering. And so from a biblically rooted perspective, they work to bring the love of Christ and the, and the justice of God's kingdom to the marginalized, to the powerless, to the oppressed. And what they do is they act as advocates for victims of abuse, uh, for, for supporting programs that, that help people for battling human trafficking and working on racial reconciliation. That's what they do in the, the ECC. Justice, do justice, Micah says. Not simply support it, but to do it. It's high commitment, hands-on, everyday activity. So how can we do justice in the world that we live in today? How do you do justice in the world that you live in today? How do you do it? How do you do it? Raise your hand if you got response. I'll be happy to come right near you so I can hear what you're saying. How do you do justice? You can go to church and learn more about your walk of faith. What else? You didn't know you were going to be asked these questions today. I know that. That's all right. But you can think on your feet or, or um, where you're sitting. How do you do justice? Yeah, let me come back here so I can hear that. Do not be prejudiced. Treating others fairly across the board. I like that. Okay. One, one more. Do justice. How do you do justice? Evan, how do you do justice? Go to church school? That works for me. All right, out of the mouths of babes. Okay, now let's take a look at the second one. See, you're only, that wasn't too bad. You're all okay. Take a deep breath. All right, okay. Love kindness. Now, the English word kindness that's, that, that's, is actually a weak translation here. The Hebrew word that's being used here is, is called hesed. And hesed actually means love, loyalty, faithfulness. And this really lies at the heart of any healthy relationship. Whether the bonds are a marriage, whether it's close friendship, or whether it's a right relationship between God and his people. To love kindness means to keep this kind of loyalty and faithfulness at the heart of all your relationships. So the demand here is to love has said, love kindness. 
Love this steadfast, loyal, rock-solid faithfulness. Keep it at the center of your relationship. So how can we show that we love kindness? How do you show that you love kindness? How do you do that? Yes, Chuck. Be kind. Do you want to elaborate on that? If you be kind to others, they'll be kind to you. Sounds like the golden rule. Thank you. Be kind. Okay. What else? Smile. Smiling would be a great thing. How many times do you see people, even in worship, we're singing about joy and praise and, and everything like that, and, and uh, we don't look joyful. We don't look like we're praising. We've got we to gotta smile. Thank you. That's a good one. I love that one. Evan, you have another one. Yes, how do, you, how do you do kindness? Help other people. Okay. That works for me. All right. So that, what? Listen. Thank you, Virgil. I appreciate that. Listen. All right, so, so listening to others, it does help you actually to be kind to people. Okay, this kind of kindness is a kind of kindness that can be counted on moment by moment, day after day, year after year, decade after decade. So love kindness. The last one, walk humbly with your God. If we're going to want to excel as Christians, we must travel with God over the course of this life. And faith, entering into faith might be a momentary decision, but it matures through the long journey of following God over the many ups and downs, through the, through the mountaintop experiences, through the valleys of deep darkness. And along that pathway, we're challenged to walk humbly, knowing that God is and God must remain ahead of us in charge, leading the way. Amen? Okay. So here's the thing about this. Jesus does not call his disciples, and he doesn't say to them, listen, before we do anything, I want you to agree on the finer points of theology before we can go anywhere. He doesn't say that. What does he say? Follow me. He says, follow me. There's got to be some, uh, a simple and humble command that's behind that. Just follow me. Walk humbly with your God. Let me, I'll, I'll share with one how do we walk humbly here. Uh, and then, and then you, can, you can chime in here however you'd like. One of the things I've learned in, the, in 24, now 25, almost 25 years of ministry, I've learned that, that um, walking humbly with God is... Uh, let me put it to you this way. If I were to go back, if I could go back in time, back to the future, I'd go back to my time when I was a, just a regular church member, like many of you all are here, I'd be... I would want to be a better church member. I would want to be. And do you know why that is? It's because I I humbly watch people give so selflessly of themselves over the years. I watch them through their volunteer efforts. I watch them through how they care for one another. I watch them through how they they just are kind or they're listening or whatever they do. Now, I've, I've seen that happen. Have I seen bad instances? Well, sure, I've seen that too. But... More than that, I've seen where people demonstrate what it really means to be a follower of Christ. I would hope that I would be a better follower of Christ. And, and I say that in all humility. You know, you might look at me and say, well, you're, you're, you're the pastor. You should be the follower. You're the guy, aren't you? You know everything, don't you? You, don't, you just got a direct line to him, don't you? Well... Some days I struggle the same way you do. Got the same kinds of things going on that you do in life. 
and I have to make the same kinds of decisions that you do. And so that's, what, that's one thing I would learn. Walk, walk in humility in recognizing all of that. Um, how about you? How do you walk humbly with God? Just, just a couple more, and then, and then your audience participation is all done. Congregational. Yes, Walt. Let me come over there and, and hear what you said. When you actually go out of your way to help someone in need, I think that demonstrates a real humility. Uh, you really understand your position in life differently when you actually have to go out of your way to help somebody. Yeah, thank you, Walt. I appreciate that. One more? One more? How do you demonstrate humility? Evan, you got anything? Nope? Okay. Walk humbly with your God. Those three things. In the life of faith, unlike the world of computers, we should never be satisfied with just the minimum requirements. To have the strongest possible relationship with God and with each other, it's important for us to reach the recommended system requirements. So do justice, love, kindness, and journey humbly with God and with Christ. And as followers of Christ, this is really the way to excel. Let's come together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words that come to us through the prophet, helping us to understand how it is that we need to order our lives each and every day. So help us as we say we will follow you to be able to do these things, to keep them as a, as a recommended requirement, to treat others fairly, to love them with humility. We ask it in Jesus' name and all the children of God said, Amen. You've been listening to Worship in the Heartland, the podcast from First United Methodist Church in Worthington, Minnesota. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. We invite you to join us in person every Sunday at 10.30 in the morning. For further information, check out our website, at www.firstumcworthington.com Thanks for listening.